0: Welcome to
1: Candidates of Liberty, a special series from Lions of Liberty dedicated to spotlighting libertarian candidates across the country. If you enjoy our work, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty.
0: Hello, Liberty Lions, and welcome back once again to Candidates of Liberty. I am your host today, Mark Clare, and my guest is the Libertarian candidate for governor of Ohio. I am very pleased to welcome Mr. Travis Irvine. Travis, are you ready to roar?
1: I'm ready to roar, Mark.
0: Now, Travis, you've been politically active for quite some time. I know you first ran for mayor of your hometown. uh, I believe when you were at the age of 24, you even made a documentary about that run called American Mayor. And now, about a decade later, you are the Libertarian candidate for the governor of Ohio. So how did we get here, Travis? How did you first get involved in politics, and how did you find your way to the Libertarian Party?
1: Uh, well, I'd say my independent streak uh, started at a young age. Uh, I was fascinated with politics growing up. I was always asking to stay up late and watch the uh, debates and the conventions when I was a kid. And um, finally, in 1992, there was a third guy on the debate stage, and uh, I was like, "Who's that guy? That guy's great!" And uh, of course, that was Ross Perot, and I was ended up being the only kid to vote for Ross Perot in my. Mock presidential election in third grade So um, I'd say it all Started then and then of course uh, I turned 18 in August 2001 Uh, A month later the entire World was a much different place Um, So you know Very against the Bush-Cheney administration Very much against the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan Very much against the Patriot Act And as I got to college I uh, Became increasingly against the uh, drug war And things like that so I thought All these things made me uh, a democrat And um you know, as I continue to support Democrats throughout the early 2000s, by the time they took power in 2006, 2008, I realized that they were pretty much the same and they weren't going to change any of the things that, uh, you know, I thought they were going to change. So luckily, around that same time, um, I was, you know, kind of looking for a new political home and I was watching a Republican debate in, uh, in uh, May 2007. And there is a uh, little congressman there from Texas named Ron Paul And he was, you know, I've heard of him. Yeah, he was, you know, he was anti-war, pro-civil liberties, anti-drug war. And I was like, whoa, uh, you know, Republican who stands for all this? Who is this guy? And my friends told me, oh, that's Ron Paul. He's a libertarian. You should check him out. And, um, you know, once I checked it out, I was pretty much hooked. And, and like you mentioned, that was the same year, 2007, I ran for mayor of my hometown. So I'd say that's when it pretty much uh, all got started.
0: So when you ran for mayor, was that around the time you were coming into your sort of Ron Paul slash libertarianism, or were you still sort of in the Democrat camp at that time?
1: Um, no, that was. I'd say that was the year. 2007 was the year that I both decided to get politically active based on some uh, local Um, shenanigans that were happening with the University and and, uh, City Hall here in my hometown Bexley Ohio basically colluding to rezone uh, areas and the capital would buy uh, homes in my in the neighborhood I grew up in Um, and that's what I I got involved uh, with the mayor's races, essentially to speak up on behalf of my neighbors because we had no representation in City Hall anywhere And that's kind of why we were getting mistreated um, it's also kind of interesting that I also had ideas on how to cut the city budget that were actually eventually implemented, um, by the eventual city council and city hall. And, uh, I also had the, uh, the keen idea to build the new police station cause we needed one anyway. Um, it was my idea to build it eco-friendly, which, uh, all the, uh, You know, the environmentalists liked as well, but the idea there is that it saves money in the long run. So it's one of those ideas that both uh, conservatives and progressives can like. So um, yeah, I'd say, you know, that's when it kicked off. I tried to give the Democrats one more try in 2008 when I worked in the press office of uh, Senator Charles Schumer in DC. Um, You know, and that was good. That was a good education in uh, political communications, I would say. Um, You know the most dangerous place in Washington, as Bob Dole used to say, is uh, in between Chuck Schumer and a camera. So uh, I learned learned a lot there. But you know, by say, by uh, you know, I actually registered Republican to vote for Ron Paul in the primary in two thousand eight, and I'd say two thousand nine, two thousand ten, when it became clear that I was going to run for Congress back home in Ohio in the twelfth congressional district with the Libertarians. Uh, That's when I went ahead and became a uh, a card-carrying member of the Libertarian Party. Cool. And uh, I'm kind of curious, what inspired you to
0: create that documentary? You call it American Mayor. Why did you decide to make that documentary while you were running?
1: Well, uh, that's because uh, I am a uh, filmmaker by trade. I went to school for video production, and that's actually what my uh, small business does. We're a... Started, you know, started doing video production, and now we're kind of a more broad media company. Um, but uh, that was the reason for that was, uh, you know, in college, I made a, a feature length movie about killer raccoons. Um, I graduated and went to the Bahamas and tried to make a movie down there, and we failed to raise the money. So when I moved back home to run for mayor and basically, you know, live with my parents as a, any good broke millennial graduate would.
0: Of course. <laughs> um,
1: I uh, That's when I decided that, hey, I'll apply my filmmaker skills and, you know, basically run for office and make a documentary about it with my friends so we can show everyone else how to run for office, too. Uh,
0: It's funny you mentioned that that first movie you did because I saw a very scandalous headline about you the other day. It said, Travis Irvine, Ohio's libertarian candidate for governor, made and starred in a movie about killer raccoons. Travis, the smear campaigns are on.
1: Yes. Well, fortunately, uh, I do have the trash panda vote. So uh, the raccoon gods are with me and, uh, (laughs) <laughs> it's actually kind of funny you know a headline like that gets people to click on it but the the article is actually pretty good you know I, yeah it really wasn't the
0: smear pace it was actually a, a very positive piece
1: yeah i mean you know i i've led an interesting life up until now and and you know i just have these different components that i'm interested in whether it's filmmaking or politics or or uh, stand-up comedy or journalism you know i I try to take all of them seriously, and I try to merge them together when, when, uh, whenever I can.
0: And why did you decide to specifically run for the office of, of governor at this time?
1: Um, well, essentially, after I ran for um, Congress with the Libertarians here in Ohio in 2010, um, you know, that was a year where we had full statewide access, ballot access. Um, we really were at the top of our game. We had a full slate of candidates. I was just one of uh, several candidates to run for congressional districts. And, you know, 2010 in Ohio was a really good year for the Libertarian Party. And we continued to uh, crush it until uh, 2012 uh, when we were uh, Gary Johnson's, uh, one of his favorite states to come campaign in. We had some of the biggest rallies of his first presidential campaign. Um, and then, of course, uh, I got my degree from Columbia Journalism School. And uh, I was ready to help the Libertarian Party of Ohio's gubernatorial candidate back in 2014. But what happened was uh, the Republicans here in Ohio got so scared of us that they came after our ballot access. They were threatened, uh, thinking that we would cut into uh, John Kasich's uh, win margin numbers because our gubernatorial candidate, Charlie Earl, was a former state rep, very popular with the Tea Party. And and they were right. Charlie Earl would have done really well in 2014. So what the Republicans do, uh, you know, what they always do is uh, change the rules of the game. So they uh, changed the uh, ballot access laws for minor parties, uh, made it so essentially minor parties had to get 3% in the governor's race or the presidential race to maintain ballot access for four years. If they fail at doing that, then they need to very uh, arduous uh, ballot act uh, signature process where you have to gather uh, up to 55,000 ballot signatures. So, um, what Jeez. they did after passing this law is, of course, 2014 comes and uh, they pull another dirty trick and they actually kick Charlie Earl off of the ballot uh, all over a, a signature technicality that up until that point had never been enforced. Um, so it's pretty hard to get 3% of the vote in the governor's race when you don't have a governor candidate. So we lost that. can ballot.
0: make it difficult. Yeah,
1: we lost ballot access after 2014. Um, in 2016, Gary Johnson was uh, on the ballot in Ohio as an independent because we, we did not have the resources within that time frame to get, you know, 55,000 ballot signatures to get the party <laughs> back on the back on the ballot, which is unfortunate because Gary Johnson broke 3%, but he did so as an independent. And then, of course, the Republican Secretary of State wouldn't certify his results to count towards the Libertarian Party. So we essentially had to take on the ballot access process for my race. And we completed that earlier this year. It cost over $200,000 in between our party and national. And now it is all on me in this race to get 3% of the vote minimum, of course, I think, you know, if um, we can get into how things are going over here, but I think we're going to do much better. And, um, you know, I think people are really looking for uh, another way in, here in 2018 in Ohio.
0: So are, are you are getting that sense, I guess, on the campaign trail. How do you find yourself connecting with voters? What sort of issues are you able to connect with people on from a libertarian viewpoint?
1: Um, yeah, again, it's actually pretty good. I mean, for starters... Uh, uh, the Democrat candidate, Rich Cordray, and the Republican candidate, Mike DeWiner, uh, two uh, real uh, duds of, of people. Um, they, uh, you know, kind of like the snooze buttons became uh, politicians. Um, you know, we got Republicans who are supporting us, and we have Democrats who are supporting us, of course, independents, libertarians, and non voters. But, you know, the three biggest issues we're facing here in Ohio is the opioid crisis. We are the second worst opioid crisis in the nation, uh, just behind uh, West Virginia. And, of course, uh, Rich Cordray and Mike DeWine, of course, want to enforce and incarcerate their way out of the problem, spend more taxpayer dollars. And, you know, the libertarian solution is, hey, how about we go to the fast track our medical marijuana program that we were supposed to have here in Ohio a month ago? It's been completely botched by the Republicans. And we uh, go ahead and prepare for full legal marijuana because if you look at other states that have uh, marijuana programs, um, you know, the opioid crisis is 25% less deadly, harmful, and expensive. So we're the only candidate, uh, you know, we're the only candidates across the board advocating for that. Um, and then of course, economics, we're always for cutting spending, reducing regulations, allowing small businesses to flourish. Uh, we have a thing here that John Kasich created called Jobs Ohio is a completely secretive department <laughs> that handles Ohio's economics. and picks winners and losers uh, in terms of what companies come and and go from Ohio um, Sounds just
0: a little just a little fascisty there
1: yeah it's, it's a little weird you know I mean it's nothing else we need to at least make it transparent and uh, susceptible to an audit and you know if we find it's not uh, effective or efficient we got to cut it entirely um and, uh, and then uh, a lot of people are uh, mad at Mike DeWine over things like uh, Medicaid expansion, which, of course, John Kasich did. That's actually one of the reasons I've been endorsed by uh, the Toledo Tea Party and the uh, Northwest Ohio Conservative Coalition PAC. Um, the, way, oh, wow. cool. yeah, the way John Kasich went about this uh, Medicaid expansion, he basically circumvented the, uh, the legislature and uh, did it through uh, some, uh, some other uh, board or agency. And Mike DeWine, you know, who's the Republican nominee, was very uh strategically vague on the uh on picking of which side he was on this issue during the Republican primary. And then of course after he won the primary, he came out in favor of Medicaid expansion. So, you know, I am the only candidate on the ballot who will roll back Medicaid expansion. You know, we have seven hundred thousand Ohioans that uh, got on Medicaid through this expansion program. So you know, kind of like Ron Paul would always say, we don't want to just cut these people off, but we do want to see this program rolled back. And what we want to implement is the free market, basically, and uh, allow Ohioans to buy insurance plans across state lines, and as well as let them buy uh, pharmaceutical drugs, uh, prescription drugs from Canada. Uh, you know, this is going to offer better prices, better options, and and you know, kind of like any libertarian solution, it takes uh, it takes away the control from the big pharmacy country. Uh, companies and, and insurance companies and put it back in the hands of the people.
0: You know, speaking of this guy DeWine, I saw a pretty pretty humorous ad you put out, uh, Spill something like spills the wine. <laughs> Can you tell people what that's all about? Yeah,
1: it's, it's essentially, uh, you know, um, one thing we've always done right every time I ran for office is we always try to make quirky commercials. And again, it's because that's what I do and what I know how to do. Um, when I ran for mayor, we had a jingle that got put on Jay Leno. And when I ran for Congress in 2010, we had an ad called uh, Give the Two-Party System the Third Finger, which just involved a bunch of people giving the ring finger to the camera, um, in essence, to give the two-party system the third finger. And, and that video got put on CNN and PBS, and was called one of the most clever campaign ads of the uh, 2010 season. So um, what we're trying to do is just, you know, we're low on funds, we're low on attention, we're not in the polls, we're not in the debates, so we're over here, we're going to make a ruckus. And we're going to try to get some media attention that way. And Spill DeWine was an idea we had early on. It's basically talking about Mike DeWine as if he were a poorly aged wine. He's been in politics for 42 <laughs> years. Uh, he's been handcrafted by lobbyists. He's got an aroma of corruption. And he can be bought and sold pretty easily, although nowhere near Toledo, as uh, as we know, they don't <laughs> like him up there. So. Yeah, that's the uh, video we put out. It's already getting uh, getting some attention, and um, you know, if any of your listeners are so compelled, uh, we are trying to get our ads on TV because once you take them from the internet and actually buy some airtime on TV, that's when you force the media to talk about you and and recognize you even more. And at that point, you know, it's like, hey, there's actually three candidates for governor who have put ads on TV. So, if your listeners are compelled, you can go to irvineforohio.com and make a donation, and uh, we're hoping to get these uh, at least you know, some of these commercials on TV and uh, before election day.
0: Yeah. That, that especially would be a, a really good one to be, uh, to running in Ohio. And uh, uh, Travis, you mentioned you're, you're expecting and hoping to get much more than that 3% you need to get libertarians ballot access. Let's just imagine for a minute that you do much, much better than that 3% and you're actually elected the first libertarian governor of Ohio. What are some laws that you would look to push forward and, and maybe more likely, what are some laws you'd be looking to repeal?
1: Oh, well, sure. I mean, in the, uh, In the likely event, I am the first millennial libertarian governor in Ohio history. I would first of all look to fast track the medical marijuana program, appoint people to our pharmacy board who understand how important it is to get it right. Again, we've got people on the board currently who have, um, from what I've heard, purposely uh, botched the program because John Kasich didn't actually want it to happen on his watch. So the next governor's got to handle that right away. So I look forward to dealing with that. I look forward to uh, basically busting open jobs Ohio, making that transparent, seeing what's going on in there, and again, eliminating it if they're not doing their job or just appointing people who would do a better job. And uh, then I would tackle Medicaid expansion. Again, we got a lot of corruption going on within the Medicaid program. We've got pharmacy uh, benefit managers sifting $225 million a year from taxpayer dollars on uh, price gouging. We've got CVS lobbyists uh, who have exclusive contracts to the HIV and cancer medicines that the Medicaid, uh, uh, the people on Medicaid uh, go through. They can only go through CVS. And of course, CVS is charging five to six times as much as the market value for these medicines. So I'm going to start basically just firing people, (laughs) I think is what I'm going to start doing. Um, And then of course, in Ohio, you know, it won't happen right away, but You know, the the governor here has a line item veto power. And, uh, you know, when I get my hands in that budget, I'm going to go pretty much Gary Johnson on it and cut as much stuff as I can. You know, uh, I've been joking with the Tea Party groups, but it's kind of true. When I get my hands in that budget, I'm going to need more pens, really. (laughs)
0: <laughs> more big red pens uh, now Travis uh, one our last question here it's a, a little bit of a curveball that we like to toss to candidates but I'm curious if there are any libertarian positions or viewpoints or even maybe just a strategy difference that you might have with other libertarians is there something out there that you see other libertarians doing or saying that you aren't necessarily fully on board with
1: um, well I'll be honest uh, you know um, in the in the libertarian primary here I faced two purists who um, well, actually one of them, we don't know what he was. He's just kind of a, a crazy old guy. Um, but there was a younger candidate who was challenging my purest uh, viewpoints. And, uh, you know, in 2016, um, I, we had no libertarian primary in Ohio. So I registered Democrat and voted for Bernie in the primary because I saw basically Bernie people as a uh, as potential libertarians. I tried to build that bridge to uh, the Bernie people and try to bring them over because I knew Bernie probably wouldn't win and they'd be looking for a new political home afterwards. And uh, I seem to get a lot of flack for that. A lot of people tend to uh, find this piece I wrote for HuffPo and and try to make it seem like I've embraced socialism or something like that. And that's not how it is at all. I think we need to be pragmatic. I think if we wanna really build this political party, then we need to stop focusing on purist ideology. And I think we need to start extending olive branches to other people and other political parties on issues we agree on. Um, you know, that's in the cleveland.com uh, editorial board meeting. I made I made Rich Cordray and Mike DeWine shake hands.
0: I saw that. I saw that on YouTube earlier.
1: Yeah. to basically congratulate each other for for making this uh, this issue. We had in Ohio on rape kits, untested rape kits while they were attorneys general. Um, they both did a good job, but they keep attacking each other over it. So I've had them shake hands, you know, say, hey, you guys did a great job. And then, of course, I turned to the board and said, now, if I can do that, just imagine what I can do in the state legislature. So I think we need to take a pragmatic approach. So I differ with some libertarians on, on that stance for sure.
0: All right, Travis. Well, we're we're certainly wishing you luck and certainly looking forward to see how your campaign plays out. I know you dropped the campaign website where people can donate uh, a little bit earlier, but if you just want to give the whole run-through of how people can find out more about your campaign, connect on social media or whatever you like, feel free to plug away.
1: Absolutely. Check out IrvineForOhio.com. You can check out our videos on YouTube. You can uh, check out our Facebook page. We've always uh, got a lot of content coming out of the facebook page and if you want to just follow me on twitter i just got verified so hey i'm a real person now you can follow me at travis irvine usa
0: all right well travis irvine libertarian candidate for the governor of ohio we wish you the best of luck keep up the great work keep on roaring all right kitty cats i hope you enjoyed my conversation with travis irvine the libertarian candidate For Governor of Ohio, a really interesting campaign that he's running. Probably one of the more interesting campaigns in terms of ads and the things he's been trying to do in terms of media outreach uh, that we've had on this show. And a lot of people have been asking, especially on our $25 uh, Mufasa level call for our Patreon supporters, our Lions of Liberty Pride, it was brought up, what is the fate of this program? Not Lions of Liberty, of course. Lions of Liberty will be staying here through the end of time uh, until we have achieved a full libertarian society and uh, we're hailed as the kings of all liberty forever and ever. Ever. But Candidates of Liberty specifically was brought on as a short-term way to get in a lot of the candidates that we had met at the Libertarian National Convention, as well as at Porkfest, a lot of people we had met that we just realized were great people whose voices we wanted to get out there. Uh, this was designed as a show for them, uh, to get their voices out there, to get them more heard in the Libertarian community. So that was the impetus for this show, but uh, as most of you know, there are elections on November 6th, and most of those campaigns will be winding down, except for, of course, any victories we might see, and we'll certainly be doing... Doing some follow-up shows, I think, uh, with any of the major successes, or maybe just looking back on how the candidates that we've had on have done. But as far as the fate of the show long-term, that really just depends on you guys. That depends entirely on the demand that's out there, entirely on the feedback. Of course, we have me every single Monday with the flagship Lions of Liberty podcast, where I host interviews with libertarian thought leaders, as well as roundtable discussions, like Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor, a very popular segment. And then Brian brings you his weekly shot of comedy called and Liberty every single Wednesday on Electric Liberty Land, while John wraps things up on Fridays with his look at the broken criminal justice system and the heart-wrenching tales and Triumphant Tales, I gotta add. There really is uh, inspiration everywhere that you find tragedy in these stories every Friday on Felony Friday. In addition to all that, we're doing tons of content for our Patreon, and now we're also doing the Candidates of Liberty show. So we really are stretched as thin as we can, but at the end of the day, if your feedback tells us this is something you want to hear more of, uh, if the Patreon money starts to up even more, we might have to set some goal, uh, you know, a little bit of a higher pledge goal to uh, maybe at that point we'll reignite the Candidates show as a full-time thing. At the end of the day, if you guys want to hear it and let us know, in whatever form that is, whether it's emails, whether you tweet to us at Lions of Liberty on Twitter, uh, whether you tell us in our forum, our Facebook forum, the Lions of Liberty forum. That is our public group, by the way. Anybody can come on in there if you just answer a simple question about how you first found the show. Just make sure you tell us you know, your thoughts about this program, because at the end of the day, that is what's going to determine if the show continues and, and in what form it does so. So I do highly encourage you to support us. And again, one of the best ways to give us feedback is to, of course... Send us money. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, you can do that by joining our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Lions of Liberty. You can also send us one-time donations via PayPal or uh, via cryptocurrency. So head on over to Lions of Liberty.com/slash Donate uh, if you just want to do things that way and toss us a little dough. Uh, but either way, be sure to give us feedback on on this program because it is a new venture. It is an experiment. It is something we're trying out. So if you are enjoying it, let us know. If you never want to hear from a candidate again, let us know. Whatever feedback you give us, as long as it's honest, as long as it's coming in the right place we're happy to have it and I'm pretty sure you guys are going to want to hear Thursday's edition of course we're doing the show two days a week right now through the end of October you're going to want to hear John's interview Thursday because he's got a gentleman by the name of Larry Sharp and Larry's done a lot of media but I happen to be privy to this interview and uh, I think you're going to really find it interesting you're going to hear some insights from Larry uh, specifically regarding his interview on the Joe Rogan show uh, that you're just not going to hear anywhere else so I do encourage you to tune in on Thursday's edition of Candidates of Liberty as well as of course Brian tomorrow at Electric Liberty Land. And John, once again, brings you Felony Friday on Friday. Until next time, folks, don't forget to live long and live free.